Hey guys, we have some housekeeping for you today. Some awesome news on the horizon. Awesome Ladies Live is going to be here in East Lansing. It is my retreat with the Awesome Ladies. Amanda and I will be hosting a live podcast show in addition to four workshops I'm teaching and a panel discussion. It'll be a full weekend here starting Friday night, August 17th, ending Sunday afternoon, August 19th. Details are at theawesomeladiesproject.com slash live, and we hope you can attend. It will be really awesome. Tickets. Oh my God, hang out with us in real yeah, hang life. Hang out with us in real life. See a podcast recording of Crafty Ass Female like happen while you're there. It will be fantastic. I'm like super excited. It's going to be amazing. Last year's retreat was fantastic, and this year's theme is storytelling as self-care. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, you know you want to come and hang out with us. Tickets mm-hmm. are on sale right now for Patreon. Uh, subscribers and tickets are on sale to the general public tomorrow, May 1st. Tickets are limited and I do expect them to sell out. I don't know how fast, but I think they are definitely going to sell out. So if you want to come and spend a weekend with me and Amanda in mid-Michigan and have a garden to table barbecue meet and greet here in my backyard and do a tour of my studio, which will be awesome, and hang out and do four workshops with us, it's going to be amazing. Second piece of housekeeping. We're bringing some guests onto the show and we are doing... Guys, get so excited. Yeah, we're going to have some amazing new voices. We wanted to open up the show to some amazing, crafty-ass females. And guys, today's voice, she is the goddess of the scrapbooking world. She is none other than Amanda. Allie Edwards, guys. Allie Edwards. And she's kicking off... Basically a whole May of episodes of guests and interviews and it, the timing couldn't have been more perfect. So I know. My God. Gear up. Get ready. New voices. Lots of info. Today's Allie Edwards episode is incredible. I mean, I've been an Allie Edwards fan since college and that was a long time ago. That was a really long time ago. And Allie's been scrapbooking since her son Simon was not even a year old and Simon's 16 now. So Allie's been scrapbooking for a decade and a half, writing for Creating Keepsakes magazine, and we all know magazines don't exist anymore. Um, Doing a whole bunch of other amazing stuff. She makes her own products. She designs her own products. Uh, They're manufactured and sold around the world. She is incredible. And she is literally one of the greatest storytellers I know. So she is on the show today telling some amazing stories we get some Allie Edwards origin stories, stuff that I never knew, stuff that she... Yeah, I've listened to podcasts with her before, and I've read her blog, and there was things that I never knew. And she gives us exclusive info. Like, you're going to love it. It's such a lot of fun. If you're an Allie Edwards fan, you'll only be a bigger fan now. And if you've been an Allie, and if you haven't met Allie or been a fan... You'll be, you'll, I mean... Welcome to yeah, the no, club. You're, yeah, you're <laughs> going to be in the Allie Edwards club from now on. You just like, you know, I mean, it's kind of a cult... Um, you can join all of the Allie Edwards yeah, Facebook groups. I literally only use Facebook anymore so that I can hang out with Allie Edwards and her groups. So Totally, guys. I link to it all in our blog post at craftyassfemale.com. You can find all the basic stuff, all the references that we made. Um, it was hard for me to pick a few favorite quotes because almost everything out of her mouth was a favorite quote. But yeah, you can head over there and click on over to find out more about her and everything we've talked about in the, in the episode. Also, what I love is that we asked her to kind of define how she's crafty in terms of being creative, in terms of being resourceful. That's what our podcast is about. And I love that she almost couldn't 
define how she's a resourceful person. But as you listen to the episode, it's in everything she says and everything she describes and every story she tells. It's evident. You'll, you'll see how resourceful she is as a woman in the world, as a creative person. Like, I just love that. And if you love it and you want to hear more, definitely head over to patreon.com slash craftyassfemale and watch all of us on the after chatter video. It's hilarious. Ali has the cutest hat on. It's amazing. And also, if you love it and you want to share it with your friends, share away. Allie's a goddess, and her voice needs to be shared with the world. I think without further ado, we are we are going to head over to the scrapbook goddess, Allie Edwards. Welcome to the Crafty Ass Female Podcast, an audio show that talks about the resourceful ways we women are living our lives and the crafty projects we create in between. We are your hosts, Amanda Zampelli and Kristen Tweedale. And we believe you are a capable badass who already has all the tools you need to make beautiful things and make beautiful things happen. We're just here to remind you. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Kristen. Hey, Allie. Yo. (laughs) Thanks for having me on. We are here today with a very special guest for National Scrapbooking Day, which is this Saturday. We're here with Allie Edwards my personal scrapbook hero, scrapbook goddess, and all-around pretty awesome badass woman. I'm nodding in agreement to all of those things. (laughs) I'll totally um, take that. That was nice. (laughs) Yeah, so Allie, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Okay, well, let's see. I'm Allie Edwards, and I live in Oregon, and I currently have five children, which is crazy business. So I have two biological kids and then three kids via marriage. So new husband, new life situation, uh, which is actually going amazingly well. So we are all very happy for that. Mm -hmm. Um, I run a scrapbooking business. You you know, when you say that, you're like, what does that even mean? (laughs) Every single time, right? Yeah, no, I know. It's still weird. And I've been doing it for so long and it's still weird. Um, I have a company that manufactures uh, scrapbooking products. Um, Actually, I partner with somebody who does the manufacturing and I do uh, a lot of the design work. And we make intentional memory keeping products for people to get their stories told. And I do classes and I write on a blog sometimes. Uh, (laughs) And I kind of just do all the things. I run a bunch of projects. Projects are kind of the heart of what Um, memory keeping has become for me. So a lot of what we do now is um, creating products to go along with those projects. So yeah. Yeah. You create some of the most amazing projects in in the memory keeping world. I am good at repetition. Like I (laughs) like to start something and then I like to just do the same thing over and over again. And when I say the same thing, as you guys know, it's not the same. Yeah. Every time. Each year. Yeah. I think you do such a good job of helping people see the themes in their lives and bring that to the forefront and help them use those themes to craft the story. And I didn't even mean to say that. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah that's one of that's one of Allie's catchphrases is craft the story. Yeah. So um, it's just so interwoven into your thinking as an artist and a creative. That's how I feel about you. Yeah, I feel like years ago when I was tapping into the online community of women who did this thing that I love that I didn't know exist. You were one of the first that I saw hey like and it really caught on and I've done all your projects and the same thing I feel like at this at this point years later like everything you've done with memory keeping is just interwoven into who I am as a memory keeper yeah I love that I mean that's what I feel like about it like it's just a huge piece of who I am and I think that even if I didn't 
even if it wasn't the business that I was in, it would still be the lifestyle uh, that I would live. I probably wouldn't do it as much as I do it, um, <laughs> but I don't know because I don't know what else I would be doing. But yeah, no, thank you. I really appreciate that. I mean, I think thank you that the story <laughs> is is the you know is the most important part, and that there's so many different ways to express. Um, the stories that we're telling, whether it's words or whether it's photos or whether it's a combination of those two things. Um, and I think from, you know, after being around for a long time, it's, I've been able to kind of dial in and hone in on the pieces that I feel like are the most important ones. And I've been lucky in my business to be able to focus on those pieces. Like that's been, I feel lucky that that's been kind of the path that has happened. Yeah. So one of the things that we are going to do with our interviewees, as you are going to be the first interviewee that airs, is ask our women how they think of themselves as crafty in two different ways. Crafty as in crafty creating things with their hands, and crafty as in using the resources they have at hand in life. Yes. Yes. So one of the things that I think is funny for me about the word crafty is that here in my, in my, I would say regular life, right? Not in my online life, but in my regular life, you know, dealing with um, kids and, you know, friends and in-person people, um, when they say something about crafts or they're talking about crafts or they're like, oh, Allie could do this. She's crafty. My response is always like, I am not crafty. Like, I, I do not think of myself um, as a crafter, actually, um, a lot of the times. That probably, I don't know if that sounds weird to you guys or not. I mean, I really, like, for some reason, I just don't, I think of it, like, as Hobby Lobby crafts or something, you know, or knitting or some other kind of craftiness, even though I know, obviously, like, I am making things with my hands. And, it, you know, it is it is a, a craft. But uh, anyway, that's, it's always been an interesting word for me, too, I think. Um, but for me, crafty is creative. Um, the, what I wrote down in my notes was this idea of crafting the story, right? Because that when when I first kind of changed, pivoted a little bit in my business, and we're talking about what what did I want to focus on and what was the, you know, we needed to have a tagline and that kind of a thing. The idea of crafting the story, I liked the dual meaning of that. So the, the first meaning being the, the crafting of the story from a word-based perspective, like actually crafting the story that you are telling. When we use words, we are crafting with words, not, you know, literal or physical cutting with paper, cutting out the words sort of thing. But as you're choosing the words that you are going to use to tell the story, you are crafting the way that that story comes together. So that was the first piece. And then the second one, obviously, is crafting, you know, hand handwork sort of things as you are building a larger story, right, through the albums that we're creating and those sorts of things. Um, that's those are that's how I think of myself or those are the, how I associate crafty with creative. And then the other one that you were talking about, which crafty as resourceful, I actually had to look up the definition of resourceful <laughs> to see what it said because I was like, am I resourceful? And uh, my assistant, I want to say assistant, she's way more than my assistant. Um, pro what are we calling her now? I think her title is... Um, 
product manager. She does everything, Katie. (laughs) And I was like, I almost asked her, am I resourceful? Like, do you think of me as a resourceful person? Like what, you know, but when I looked it up, one of the things that I saw on there that I do associate is that I'm a very quick decision maker. Um, I am not. So I think there is a sense of resourcefulness that comes from, uh, from that. And I, I, when I'm posed with a question, I go a lot by gut instinct and have an initial reaction and then move forward from that. Um, a great example of that is today we actually went and Katie and I and my husband, Aaron, went to sign up for pre-check for, for, the, for, air, for flying, right? We fly all the time and I don't know why we haven't had this forever, but we made appointments. We went in there today and then Katie and I started talking about what's our next trip for fun going to be like a non-work trip. And Katie and I are the kind of people that like, we're like, yes, let's go to New York, blah, blah, blah. So we would literally come home and we would start planning it immediately. And we would have it done within 45 minutes. And Aaron is the kind of person where he will literally take weeks, you know, (laughs) and he will want to know all of the details where we're like, boom, boom, that's a good, that's a fine hotel. You know, this is what we want to do, blah, blah, blah. And we would be done by the end of the day. We would have the entire thing um, planned out. So quick decision-making I think has been um, good for me in lots of ways in, from a crafty perspective too, of, of with projects, like I, I finish projects often except travel books. That's a whole other story. Um, but most of the projects that I do, I, I finish them. And part of that I think is because I don't spend a lot of time hemming and hawing. I don't spend a lot of time trying to decide if this is the perfect embellishment or if this color matches this other color exactly. I have come to the conclusion that it's going to be good enough. And so I think that that serves me really well in moving forward with the stories that I'm telling and getting to tell lots of other stories because I'm not stuck back here trying to figure out you know, trying to choose which photo of the 10 photos I took yesterday to add into Project Life. I'm like, whatever, I don't have enough time for that. Like just one photo is going to go in there and it's going to be good. So was that a practiced skill or you've always been like that? I think that it's a personality trait um, a little bit. I mean, I think that definitely is it just a piece that I am an assertive quick decision maker kind of person, kind of that, that's my type A piece. Um, with memory keeping, I think that I'm trying to remember in the beginning, I still feel like though, I think that I was making quick decisions earlier on, but then as I got more comfortable with the way that I wanted to do it and the, mm-hmm. the kinds of, you know, the, the decisions that I kind of envisioned of what I wanted the end to look like, um, it just continued, continued to be yeah. decisions. Yeah. yeah. So you just had mentioned like back in the beginning and that made me reflect because I've been following you for a long time and really in love, you know, all the work you do. So it makes me think now that I have you here to interview, I was really curious as to, you know, where this whole creative path started and when did you know memory keeping, storytelling could be your full-time job and the thing that works. We've had past um, episodes talking about how to tap into your thing. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So for me, I grew up in a house that had the expectation of success. So, and I don't even, I don't remember my parents like directly saying that, but there was definitely like an implied thing, like, and success, I think to them, or, you know, what they encouraged being a doctor, being a lawyer, some sort of professional job and artist slash designer slash something in that other realm 
was not talked about. It wasn't discouraged. It wasn't like you can't, that's, you're not going to make any money doing that, but it wasn't, it wasn't presented as an option. And I grew up being someone who loved reading and writing. Like that's still something that is a huge part of my life, but I was also very visually organized. So I liked handwriting. I liked writing my alphabet over and over again. I had a friend in high school where we wrote notes to each other and she also had very creative handwriting and, and lettering stuff. And we just used to do things like that all the time. But even then through all that, it never dawned on me like, like, Oh, graphic design, you know, or some other thing. So I went to college and actually when I, when I started at Oregon state, it was where I went to college. I initially went um, thinking I was going to be a, a marine biologist and because I really liked whales and I swam competitively and I swam competitively into college and I just really liked being in the water, which is also still true. Um, but I went there with that in mind and then I totally partied and had fun and got, you know, C's in chemistry, which was really hard for me. And that's still really hard for me. That's not a way that my brain works. And so I, I was like, oh, this isn't going well. And, you know, there were all these other things that were happening in that transition of going to college, I'm giving you guys the long story. This is like, we like the long story. Okay. Was it chemistry <laughs> that was hard for you? Chemistry or? was hard. Well, it was a combination of things. My, my parents were very strict. And so I, I'm the first of three kids. So I'm the oldest um, in my family. And um, let's see how I, I can't remember what exactly I was going to say related to that. Chemistry was hard. Oh, strictness. This is what this goes to. So I didn't, I didn't drink in high school. I didn't go to parties. I didn't, um, and I had lots of friends that were doing that, but you know, my parents like literally I couldn't leave the house kind of thing. And my parents are not unkind people. They're not, uh, unintelligent people. They were just very, there was some control issues. I think, you know, kind of mixed in there. Um, and so when I went to college, it was absolute freedom for me. And I had always felt like, what's the deal here? Like I am smart. I get good grades. I'm very responsible. Uh, I'm a serious, you know, I'm a serious student. I'm a serious athlete. Why can't I have, <laughs> why can't I have some more room? Like, why can't I go to this party? I'm going to like, I, I feel like I would make the right choice, but that was not what happened. So then when I went to college, I went, Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> Especially, I mean, this is mainly in my freshman year, but I was swimming competitively. So we had twice a day practices and, you know, I was partying at night. I joined a sorority, which I loved on a street that was full of sororities and fraternities, you know, the big houses. And it was like everybody out in the street and it was so fun and I loved it, but it was also crazy. Like it was not a sustainable lifestyle. My grade, there was no way the grades were going to be any better than a C in chemistry, partly because I think that it really was hard for me, but I also was tired. Like I was sleeping in class because I had partied and I had swam for two hours in the morning and I was going to go swim for two more hours in the afternoon. Yeah. So by the end of that year, it was definitely obvious that like, if that was not really the right, you know, science was not going to be the path. And there were some other things that happened. My sister got sick and she ended up having a tumor in her spinal cord. She's, she's about four years younger than me. So she was still at home in high school. And it was a totally freak something. And she had to have emergency surgery. And I ended up going home and taking a term off to be at home. And as she recovered, I started taking her to school, like back to her high school. And I would wheel her around and like be an aide. Wow. This is so weird. Like even thinking about this, I haven't talked about this for a long time. Um, but that 
break in the cycle of the life that I was living in college um, made a huge difference for me. So that when I went back, I was like, all right, refocus, like, you know, kind of back to like what's important and blah, blah, blah. And I actually started dating Chris not very long after I went back to school. Uh, well, that, that might not be true. Maybe that was the next year. Anyway, it was somewhere in there, you know, where I started, like I decided the chemistry wasn't the right path. And so I went to the English department I was like, okay, this is probably going to be way more of my style and, and got yeah. on that track and ended up getting a degree in American history and literature and, um, politics. So it was called American studies. So you picked what discipline. Yeah were interested in studying. Anyway, that was great. I loved it. I loved the classes. I loved the writing. I loved all of that. And then I planned to be an attorney. So I interned as an, um, in a law firm and, you know, very passionate and excited and liked that was, that was fulfilling for me. Um, and then we, I had been dating Chris at that time. So we moved to Eugene, which is where he was in a family business. And I decided that I didn't want to go to law school right away. I decided to delay taking the LSATs and was like, yeah, I don't know what I want to do. And we're moving to Eugene. And all I really wanted to do was get married. I mean, really, like at that point, it's shifted from law school to like, I just want to get married. I want to start this next phase. Yay. You know, I mean, it was that kind of a thing. So come to Eugene, I need to get a job. I get a job at a cellular phone place where I sold cellular phones. And this was before like it was only AT&T, right? This was like a place. You know, I love that you're calling it cellular phones. Oh yeah, it was a cellular phone place. That's like (laughs) what it was. It wasn't like they are now. Um, And that literally sucked the life out of me. And I cried when I would have to go to work because it was terrible and I hated it. But that was good because that made me reevaluate everything. And so then I said, you know, to Chris, I'm like, I got to do something else. And, you know, I need to try something else more creative. Like this is not working for me. Um, and one of the things that when I was working in that job, you know, we would need to make signs for inside the shop, like signs to go on the door, signs to go on the wall. And I was always the one like, I'll do that. You know, put me, I'll do make them in Word or whatever <laughs> like that. I could do that because then I didn't have to go out there and sell things to people, which yes. was really what I hated the most. Like that was gross. Yes. Because I'm like, you either want it or you don't want it. Like, I'm not going to try to make you buy this. Yes. So yeah, that was, yeah. So I would like, whatever I could do to not be forward facing in the customer service, with <laughs> the customer service, was, like what I wanted to do. So because of that, I looked at a couple options. Like I looked at going um, back to the University of Oregon. They have an architecture program for people with undergraduate, different kinds of undergraduate degrees. I had actually applied for that and didn't get in because I had no experience. I didn't know anything. Um, and so then I decided that I would go to our community college. They have a graphic design program there. And I applied for that. They did have an application process to get in, but I got in there. And the first day that I went to um, classes there, like it was a total like come to Jesus moment. Like it was a very, I knew I was in the right place. Like I vividly remember sitting there that first day, just being like, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is words and photos. This is visually organized things. This is all the, like, I was so happy. Like, I don't remember being that happy up to that point. Like it was one of those moments. So that was kind of the beginning of the graphic design piece, like of that education of learning about that. Um, and during that time I worked at an athletic club here. That's like a kind of a, so, a social and athletic club where they have a restaurant and they have events there. And so I did all of the graphic design for them. So I worked while I was, um, while I was going to school. And then right at the end of that program, that was a two year graphic design program. Right at the end of that program, I got pregnant. 
And it wasn't necessarily, I don't remember that it was planned or unplanned or anything. It just was like, that's when I, in my memory of it, it just was kind of the next thing. And I had known with the graphic design, like, Oh, I can, you know, still have lots of kids. I can have my five kids, which is literally what I said, you know, <laughs> in my head, then I could have my five kids and, um, and then we can, uh, you know, I can work from home if I need to, or I cannot work. I, graphic design I could do is very flexible. Um, so finish that program, uh, work until the day that Simon was born, and which was 16 years ago now. Like, this is crazy when I'm telling this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then, so he was born, and then I didn't work. And then I was like, okay, well, Chris is just going to, he's going to be the provider, very traditional household situation. Um, and that is what we're going to do. And here we go on this next phase. And so by the time Simon was 11 months old, this was in 2002, uh, I wanted to make a baby book for him. And so I started looking and I couldn't find anything that looked, was like had a modern enough aesthetic for me. Everything yeah. was really cutesy and just not what I wanted. Even though I didn't really know exactly what I wanted, it was not what I wanted. And so then I went online and I was had been in like baby center forums for, you know, February 20, 2002 or whatever, you know, like that was in these groups and somebody linked to two peas in a bucket, which is a now not existent, not in existence anymore website that was very popular for a long time. Um, went on there and that was my first experience of what a more modern salad scrapbooking look like. So people that were enlarging photos or people that were having photos in the stories on there and oh my God, there's products and all this stuff. So I literally went to my mom's house at the coast. We went to a Michael's. I bought cardstock. I bought some stuff and we went back to the, her beach at her house at the beach. And I like made my first page. And then as soon as I went home, I scanned it in and I wanted mm. to share it on the message board. And that was the beginning of the end for sure. <laughs> that was, you know, and, and after that time I just, I shared very regularly. Like I think sometimes I was doing a page like every day, like I just loved it. And I was quick, you know, cause I was quick decision maker and yeah. I just was having so much fun, having so much fun taking pictures and then having something to do with those pictures. I think I really loved that part of it. Um, I loved writing down my reflections about how I was thinking and feeling and what I was seeing in Simon. And I think now that I'm, I don't think I've ever said this out loud, but now I'm saying it now because it's coming to my head. I think I was lonely too. I think I didn't have a lot of friends. Um, I'm kind of a hard person to be a friend sometimes. That's something else we can talk about if you want to. Um, <laughs> but it, I think I was lonely and I think that this, and you know, lonely with a new baby, right? And, and yeah. this kind of filled a void for me. I was getting a social, I was getting social interaction with people online. I was getting affirmation um, that people liked the things that I was sharing. Like I, and I was, I was building confidence during that time and feeling good about it. But I think probably at the same time, it was also damaging my marriage and, um, you know, which ended up not not working out uh, later on down the road too. So I, it's an interesting thing for me to think about in the ways that it, I think that it probably did hurt it. But at the same time, once we did have the, go through the process of, of getting divorced, I was totally financially secure. You know, I was able to provide for myself and my kids. And I was, even though I had a lot of fear around that at that time, it was a little bit of unfounded fear, but I was very afraid. Uh, but it's kind of interesting the way that things turned out. So from two P's, I started getting contacted by companies. And um, the first one was uh, these two women who owned a, a company called Two Busy Moms, which 
it was this is forever ago. This is probably 2003. Um, and around the same time, I also started doing some work for Creating Keepsakes, which was the main scrapbooking magazine at the time. Um, so a little bit of product development, a little bit of magazine work, which the magazine connection ended up leading to writing books. So I ended up, I think I ended up with four books that were about scrapbooking, which I loved because I loved the process of the whole thing. Like I loved making the projects. I loved doing my own, like I did all the writing and like, and that was something different that not everybody um, who was making books at that time, like they had a lot of ghostwriters. They had a lot of other things like that. Whereas like I was doing the whole thing. I wasn't doing the layout. Like they had people who actually did the layout of the, of the book itself, but I liked having control over all of those pieces. Um, and that though, that kind of then just, it just, it just kept going. Right. And then starting a blog in 2004, um, and then starting to work with designer digitals where I sold digital products. I'm not sure at what point in time, I think 2005 is when I actually started making, you know, a very decent income that was starting to provide for the family and actually overtaking the amount of money that Chris was making, um, in his business, which complicated things, uh, in a lot of ways that a lot of people don't talk about very often, but there is a, there can be a very, um, interesting dynamic when a female is making more money in a household than a male. It's a very traditional gender role thing. Right. And Absolutely. yeah. And, and especially when it's not expected, like that was yeah. not, that was not the path that he planned or that I planned. And I think that that brought up a lot of other stuff too of, of, you know, just, it brings up stuff. At a certain point, he was not happy in his job either. And I think that he, w working in his family business, I think it was unfulfilling for him. And here I like, I was very fulfilled by what I was doing. I really enjoyed it. And I was start, get, starting to travel places and I was getting to do a bunch of, you know, teaching at scrapbook stores and all these kinds of things were happening. So in 2006, he decided to quit his job and uh, ran for political office here in Oregon. He ran um, for as a state representative and won that seat. And so that was the beginning of his political career, which I was exponentially proud of. And I loved that that was a piece of my life for that, you know, for the period of time that we were still married. Uh, that was a big deal for me. And that politics is still a big deal for me, even though I'm not actively involved in it. I am actively reading, I'm actively watching, I'm actively talking amongst my own personal friend group uh, yeah. sort of thing. So let's see, back to the, the business side of it. That was when it, that was when I probably 2005 is when it started expanding and then it just kind of continued to grow from there. So my entire experience I would say has been very organic. Um, it's been very slow growth. Like I'm, my my outlook and, and especially now, like where it's become more, I would say, quote unquote, professional, right? It's a very, it's more, there's a lot more going on now. My, my intent is still slow growth. Like I would rather have people that are totally invested in what we're doing in telling stories and those sorts of things, rather than having, you know, a million followers on Instagram that actually, that don't care about what we're actually doing. I would rather have it be people that are, are invested. And so that's been an interesting piece um, of the whole thing too. Yeah. So uh, let's see, I'm trying to think. So in 2014, I think 2013 or 2014 is when we, when I started partnering with Studio Calico and that was a big decision. And it was, I think that there was a lot of people out there that were like, what are you doing? Oh my God, blah, blah, blah. And it was definitely the right decision for me uh, and for what I wanted to do. And knowing 
that I don't want to be a manufacturer. I don't want I was going to say, because before that you were in control of, of that. Yeah. And prior to that, I had been licensing my artwork to different mm -hmm. companies. So Technique Tuesday was making my stamps and Designer Digitals was doing the digital stuff. Like, and I was comfortable, like that was fine. Mm -hmm. I was comfortable having other people be in charge of those things so that I could focus on doing the things that I wanted to do. And at the point in time when April approached me about it, I still wanted to continue that. And our initial discussions about what we were gonna do was actually a lot smaller than what it ended up being. Um, she had a little bit of a vision, I think, for what she was wanting to potentially adjust her business to. But I don't even think at the, at the initial point in time when we were talking about it that she knew mm -hmm. what it was going to grow into. It was kind of once we did it and once we started doing it, I think she saw more of the potential of partnering with other people and turning her business into something that supported mm -hmm. uh, people in, in getting products to market. And that's worked really, it continues to work well for me. You know, it's not maybe sometime in the future I would want to do that, but I really don't think so. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, like, yeah. I'm really conscious of my lifestyle. Like I want to have, I want to not be run by my business. I want to work half days when I want to work half days. I want to be able to have, a, you know, one employee and not 20 employees. Like I can totally deal with one employee, especially if it's Katie and she may never leave. I'm telling her, she <laughs> um, you know, because we can be in and out and it's very, there's a lot of flow going on, which really suits my lifestyle rather than a corporate situation, which is, yeah. Anyway, that's how about that for the. Yeah, no, that's amazing. <laughs> that's an amazing answer. I said, I'm going to have her for a while. And if we ever had breakfast together, that's exactly what I'd want to hear you say. So yeah. I'm sure our listeners are the same. It's a, it is a long thing. So in terms of that question of like advice for, for finding your thing, um, I don't even, you know, I think there's a lot of trial and error involved um, that you have to just kind of see what works. I think for me, going back to that idea of like trusting my instincts and trusting my gut and being able to pivot um, or fight for the things that, that I want to see happen. Um, I've done a lot of, of fighting and, and pushback and, and things like that. And, and even in my relationship with April and with Inked now, like we're, there's a lot of fluidity to it. And there's a lot of times where I'm like, nope, hard no, we're not doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's been, it's been good growth for me to learn um, how to be assertive in the places where I need to be assertive and to not be. Because in the beginning, everything was very, very important. And I've learned that not everything is very, very important. Mm -hmm. And that's been a good just business um, learning for me. So finding your thing, I think, um, the trial and error, I think being open to not having it happen right away, you know, this is, I mean, I started this in, like I said, when I start, first started making money it was probably 2005, right? 2004, 2005. So this is a long time of, of getting 12 years of getting to a place where, you know, it, it has definitely been successful and can support the things that we want to do. Uh, but finding your passion, you know, I think that's a huge piece and, and carving out the piece of your industry that you're most passionate about, like rather than being a um, jack of all trades kind of thing. And I, I think that that was important for me to really identify story is what I, what I focus on. And I want to make products that are geared towards the story that we're going to tell, like rather than just, you know, here's a bunch of star stickers, which I do sell star stickers. 
because I really like stars. I really like stars. Yeah, I really like stars. And so, you know, we have a lot more products now. So we do have some that I would say are less intentional than others. Um, but for the most part, I still want it to be built around this idea of having products that actually are pulling stories out of you that are supporting the projects, right? Um, giving people ways to be able to do that uh, easily. So, yeah. Yeah, so that ties in perfectly to your latest line, this story planner line, which I think is so brilliant. As soon as you put the video up, I think it was Facebook, I was like, oh my God, this is so my thing. We have a huge scrapbook planner crossover audience. So can you just tell us all about yeah. this new line? What's okay. the inspiration? So how did you know the world needed it? Everything. A couple, a couple things about this. One is that I am not really a planner person, like a planner person from a crafty planner person perspective, right? So I use a get to work book from Elise Cripe and mine is like black and white. There's no yep. stickers. There's no anything else in it. And I use that mainly for uh, business stuff, my tasks and to-do lists and everything else is on the computer because I have too many people involved. <laughs> There's too many people in, the, in our scheduling world. Um, so I, th- we talked multiple times about why don't you do a planner? Why don't you make a planner? And I'm like, I don't want to make a planner because I already have a planner that works for me. I don't need a planner. I don't need another plan. The world doesn't need another planner. Um, so the, 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 you know, kind of like we, that's probably a couple years ago where we actually had that discussion. It's kind of evolved over time of what is something else that I could do? Um, what is another product that we could create that could solve a problem within our community, right? What, what would be something like that? And one of the questions that I get asked most often is how do you store these story ideas or what are you doing? Where do you put them? And I have done so many things. Like I've had a word document I've used Evernote, which I still use from time to time because it's easily accessible on my phone and on my computers. Um, what else have I done? I've written on sticky notes. I mean, I, you know, it's like how many sticky notes can I have with just little things jotted down, whatever extra paper I can find in my car. Right. You know, it's like looking around for those sorts of things. So, I was standing at my table at my work table. I stand up to do my projects. Um, and I was like, Katie was sitting at her desk and I just said, I was like, I need, this is what I need. I need something. I want something to put, to keep these stories ideas in, right? I want, I want a notebook for that. And I want it to be small. I don't want it to be huge. Like I don't want a big giant thing. Um, and, and I want, you know, I'm like, let's just start there. Like, what can we do that can start there that can evolve with the community where, where we can get community feedback, where we can see how are people using this and what actually makes sense um, for this? And is it actually too small? And, you know, all of those things that it's like, this is a great example of the kind of thing where, where people wait to have the perfect, have it be perfect before they actually throw it out into the world rather than I was like, let's just try it and we'll see how it goes. So what I wanted was I wanted something that had dividers in it, you know, so that I could have a section for each one of the people in my family now so that when I came, when an idea came to me, I could just go in there and I could write something down, you know, and it could, and maybe I'll never actually scrapbook it. I don't know, but it's a resource for me, right? It's a place where I can be like, oh yes, that was, I want to make sure that I write this down somewhere and maybe someday I'll, I'll be able to flow that into the projects that I'm doing or flow that story into a story kit project or something like that. Um, so that was really, that was really the basic thing. And then when we did the product plan for it, the idea of having patent pads of paper, right. Where I was like, this is what I want. I want to have one that's just for a project. That's like a project outline. 
you know, that's going to, where I can put the reason why, where I can put like, what do I need to remember before we start week in the life? What do I want to remember? How am I doing a little bit of thinking in advance, which is something that I naturally do every time. Um, but I know not everybody does. And so I think that it's a good way to get people to like actually sit down and be like, okay, what are my story ideas this time? What do I want to focus on this time? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's why that, that was really what I thought. So there's a, there's a project plan notepad and then there's the story idea one, which just literally has like space for a story idea, space for what photos you might use for it, space for embellishments. If that, if you even care about that um, sort of thing. And so I'm getting used to it. Like, I think that this kind of thing takes a little bit of time to figure out how does it work best for you? Because the way that it works best for me may not work best for you, you know, and I'm kind of particular. So I do things in my own particular kind of way that other people might be like, why are you doing it that way? You know, whatever, <laughs> which is fine with me. I don't care. That's why I'm like, everybody just needs to do it the way that they want to do it. Um, so right now I'm in the point where I have to remind myself that I have it. I'm like, oh, this exists now. I need to go to that. So I'm trying to train myself, right, to go to it. Um, And I think what I probably need to do is just have it laying out on my table. Like I had it standing up on my table, but I actually need it laying out um, on there. And I did just start writing one for Week in the Life, knowing that we were going to be talking about this. And so that was even good just to start kind of writing it down. So that that was kind of the initial thoughts about it. Yeah. yeah, I really like that it uses the the six hole punch. I love the six hole punch. I love you when you came out with the six by eight albums that use the six hole punch. I just started using it for everything, and I'm just I'm just super obsessed. Well, it's yeah, so but fun we, when everything can oh, be the same hole size too. No, you know that it's it just can, it's yeah. super universal. Yes, I'm all for that. I'm like, how how can we make this simpler? <laughs> I know it just it just works. I love when everything just works. Yeah. It's so often that things never work, and yes. then when things all work together, it's like. Yes. Well, and I think that's part of that's another piece of when we say intentional. You know, like that that is part of our goal when we are doing these things. Like especially for Katie and I, when we're sitting here and we're talking about it, and we're like, okay, how is that actually going to work? How is that actually going to fit in with what we already have? Sometimes we miss. You know, we have misses too. But a lot of times, it's it's we're trying to make sure that we are thinking it through of how our community is going to react to it. How is our community going to actually use this? How is our community going to, uh, going to want to use this, you know, which might be a little bit different than the way that I would want to use it too. So try to keep that kind of stuff in mind. It's such a fun community to be a part of. I agree. One of my favorite parts of one of my favorite projects of yours is coming up week in the life. I have made week in the life albums for a really long time. I don't even know how long. Yeah. It's my favorite project that you do. Can you explain to some of our listeners who maybe don't know about Week in the Life uh, a little bit more about it and how they can get involved? Sure. So Week in the Life, it's a, excuse me, seven day documentary project. And it's, I started doing it, I think in 2005 was the first one that I did. And I created it to teach a class at Creating Keepsakes University when they had these events and I needed to teach an album class. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do for an album? Like, you know, because a lot of what I do is really simple. So, it ha- you know, it's hard to teach simple sometimes, um, you know, simple from a design format. And so I was like, okay, what could we do? And so that was, that was when I decided to do that, which was a huge undertaking for 
people to come to that workshop because they had to have documented it in advance. And I had very specific things I needed to follow. Like, you know, you need to bring this and this and this for each day, right? Of things I needed to do. It was so amazing to see these giant 12 by 12 albums getting filled up and these people working, you know, these are like two full day classes or whatever. I can't remember exactly how long it was. Most people didn't finish because it was just so much work. Um, but the concept definitely stuck uh, and it stuck for me. And we actually did that first one in pocket pages in a, I don't remember what the name of the album was, but it was the box ones. Do you guys remember like the box albums? Yeah. That had the, where you opened it up and the divided page protectors on the inside were black. Like the back of them was black. Can't remember what company made those, but anyway, that's what, that's what we use. So they were in pockets. Yes. Have to pull that out. I'm trying to look for it. I don't see it over my thing, so it must be um, put away in deep storage. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, that was how it started. And then I, then from there, I think I taught it one more year at another event at another Korean Keepsakes event. And then I've done it every year since then, and mixed the, you know, done it at different times uh, during the year. And basically, what I do is I just record what's happening for seven days in a row, and. When I first started, I think I took a lot more pictures and I wrote a lot more stuff down than I do now. Now I kind of know just because I've done the project so many times around how many photos I'm actually going to use, around how much I'm actually going to want to write. And I've gotten into the flow now of where at the end of each day, I do a blog post where I edit my photos and then I add in all of my text there. So when I go to work on the project, uh, which is after that week, I don't work on the project during the week. Like I'm not doing any of the crafting part during the week. Um, the blog post has all the words that I want, all the photos that I want, so that then when I go to actually work on the album itself, I'm copying and pasting the text either directly onto the photos before they print them out, or sometimes I've done it just on a full, you know, a six by eight page. Um, but I, what I love about it is the idea of um, really capturing this chunk of time. Uh, and it's different than Project Life. You know, it's not the same sort of thing. For me, I love Project Life. I still do it. Project Life for me is a week at a glance. It's, a, it's not a deep dive. And Week in the Life is significantly more of a deep dive where I end up having, you know, three or four, well, probably more like four or five pages for each day. Um, I focus a lot on taking the pictures uh, and then probably the word second and then the crafty part third. And over time, I think the crafty part has gotten even simpler every time. Like this is a project work. I feel like it really can be very simple. Um, and I've done eight and a half by 11. I did eight and a half by 11 for a number of years and now I'm doing six by eight and that has seemed to work fine. And these books are some of my most favorites for sure, uh, because they really show the change in life. Um, you know, the changes over time and even from year to year when things, you know, people are always like, my wife is not different from year to year. I'm like, dude, you're not looking hard enough. <laughs> really? That's because, so true. Yeah. Because it's definitely, you know, I mean, even like I said, so even when I feel like it wasn't changing, when I look at those pictures, I'm changing. If you're not changing, that's a whole other issue. Like that's probably something else, <laughs> yes. right? Of that there's the internal growth yes. that should be that you would should want to have happening all the time. And Absolutely. How are, you and how are you feeling? And that I think for me is so much of what I love about the project. And it's a project about me. Like it's a week in my life. The I've talked about this before on other in other arenas of how for me this 
I am the main character in the story. Like I'm yes. the main character and what I'm telling and when I'm doing all this stuff, it's all from my perspective. The other people around me are all these supporting characters, right? And they come in and out and I don't worry about fairness or equality of like the amount of time some kids show up versus other kids because that's not really, that's not my reality. My reality is some, you know, some of them are here more and some of them are here less. And sometimes one of them's here a lot more than the other ones. And, you know, there's just, they come right. in and out. And so that's, that's what my albums reflect. That's your authentic yeah. truth. Yeah. That's, that's your yeah. life. And so I love that. I mean, I really, you know, encouraging people who feel like, who feel like nothing's different in their life or feel like they have nothing to document. I'm on a continual quest to encourage those people to value their story, right? To own the story that they're living and to go a little deeper potentially into what are they thinking and feeling? It's not just like, it's not just the facts, right? It's not just the facts that I get up in the morning, I eat my breakfast, I drive to work, I drive home, I pet my cat, I eat my dinner, and I go to bed. Well, sure. I mean, like lots of, you know, I follow a flow probably very similar to that, you know, except <laughs> that I have to drive to work. Uh, but in between all of that, right, there's what I'm listening to, there's what I'm thinking about, there's what I'm pissed off about, there's what I'm happy about, there's all of these other things that are happening that, I that aren't the same every day, right? It's the internal piece that isn't the same every day even if you feel like your external life looks the same you probably don't see the same cars every day you know maybe you do I don't know uh, you know stuff like that so it's I always welcome that conversation that comes up every year same thing every year it's actually more often probably even than yearly um, of, of people not yet to the point of understanding the value of their own personal story so Absolutely. Yeah. See, scrapbooking queen, guys. This is this is, you know, this is this is where we're at. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I had to do that when you took a sip. I'm, I didn't mean to do no, that. That's okay. No, I'm, I've got my Lacroix. I'm just having my having my drink. Well, it's true. Okay, so like obviously, Allie's gift for storytelling is uh, undeniable, and you just gave us some amazing advice for women. But one more, one more thing. Yeah. on advice for women. What advice do you have for women who are nervous to start their stories because they feel like they haven't found the storytelling voice inside them yet? I have, I have two things. I probably have more than two. There's two things that I thought of immediately. So I'm going with my gut on these, right? The number one thing I think is that you just have to start like that, that it takes practice and that nobody starts from a place of of knowing what their voice is. Like, I don't think that anybody does. And I just read this book and it's making me think about it. It's called Educated by Tara Westover and it's a memoir. And I really like reading memoirs, of course. Um, and she, at the end, like the end chapter is a reference to the title of the book. And the whole story is about how, how her life has been her education, right? Which is the same for all of us. And it's really the story of her finding her voice through all of these different things that happened to her in her life. So nobody starts knowing what their voice is. I, th I think that, that the practice is huge for me. I've been practicing for years and years and years and years, right? And um, I think that I probably have, um, I think one of the gifts that I have is trusting what voices um maybe not necessarily confidence in it all the time but trusting that what comes out is what's supposed to come out and i don't know where that comes from i don't know why that is 
Um, but I think if you can get yourself to, to trusting and really owning, you know, the voice that's coming out of you, and then it doesn't have to sound like anybody else and it could sound totally different. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say about that related to this idea of just starting is that I have lots of times where I feel unsure of what my voice is. Um, I have lots of stories that I haven't told because I can't find the voice to tell those stories. And I think that's totally fine. Also, um, I think that I've been thinking about that a lot more as I've started reading a lot more again the last few years and reading all of these other people, both fiction and nonfiction, um, and, and thinking to myself how, you know, thinking back through my own life and thinking how could I actually tell that story and what would that look like? And, and, and I am afraid, you know, there are definitely pieces that probably just don't need to be told. And that's what the fear is, you know, that, that the difference between fear and just having a healthy boundary um, of, of knowing that, you know, it's probably either it's not the story that you ever need to tell or it's not the right time um, to tell it too. So I think the knowledge that everybody struggles with that, that everybody struggles with their voice. And I find myself struggling at just through different seasons, right? That there are times when I am so excited to write and I'm so excited. Like I just, things are clicking and the words are coming and I have so many things that I want to write down that it's like, I almost can't do it fast enough. And I have other times where there is nothing. There's a whole lot of nothing coming out and there's a whole lot of Netflix going in, you know, like <laughs> that's totally. And I think recognizing that that is normal, Right. And that's just a part of being a human being of, you know, of, of being afraid or of going through seasons. And, you know, that sometimes it's the same with creativity, right? That there are times when I'm feeling super creative and I feel like, oh, these designs are all totally blah, blah, blah. You know, and other times where I'm like, okay, I'm just not going to do this for a while because nothing that's coming out is feeling authentic or feeling, um, feeling like it has meaning in the way that I want it to have meaning. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. How about that? Is that good? <laughs> I think that's awesome. Totally get it. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. And on the outside looking in, it feels like you're an endless amount of stories. So it's good to hear too that you feel tapped out sometimes. I totally feel tapped out sometimes. And I totally, I totally allow myself to not, like, I don't, I don't feel, well, I want to say I don't feel guilty about it. I don't, I don't feel guilty about it. I think there are some times when I very, you know, a, a very normal thing is to just question whether or not it's going to come back, even though I know that it will. Like I know from experience that it comes back and sometimes it comes back and it's different, right? It's not the same as it was before and for better or worse, you know, who know who knows what it is. It just, it is what it is um, kind of thing. And I think for me, um, there are different professional pressures that come along with having an audience and the ex expectations of the, excuse me, the expectations of the audience or, or the expectations that I place on myself, like that this is not, you know, this is not up to whatever it is that I want it to be. Uh, but most of the time I try to just be like, okay, shut up and just go. <laughs> yeah. I like Tell it. myself to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. Stop the, the chatter, <laughs> the mental chatter. Katie yeah, is good for that, that too. Like, uh, you know, and I yeah, think no. that having a close friend who can see that and be a witness to it and be like, oh my God, you're taking this way too seriously. Or, you know, like 
just go do something else. Like there are lots of days when I, oh, this goes for design work too. I'll be sitting here and I'll be working on designs and you know, I'm just like, Oh my God, I don't want, I hate this. I don't want to look at it anymore. I don't want to have it. She's like, just leave, like get up. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't have to be sitting here right now. Go do something else. And then I'm always like, Oh yeah. Oh, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have that option. Yeah. That's a hard one for me. That's been a lot. Le- that's been a lesson that I've been le- working on for a long time too of, uh, you know, I think that there have been times when I have equated um, time spent working with success, right? Yes. Or, you know, or with I'm doing a good job. I'm doing a good job if I sit here from nine to five. That And, and that's, I am continually working on that. And I actually think that meeting Aaron and, you know, becoming in a relationship with him, he is not that way at all. Like he is very laissez-faire and very, you know, just like goes with the flow and doesn't do anything traditionally, (laughs) doesn't do anything in the same way that other people do. And I think for me, it's been so good to be like, oh, oh, it doesn't have to be that way. Oh, (laughs) things can still work out. Yeah. And that, you know, this is, just was like mind blowing for me at some points in time. And in the beginning, I had a lot of resistance to it. I was like, oh, what's wrong with you? Why are you not working? Why are you not working your eight hours today? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Don't you want to improve your business? And blah, 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 blah. and he's like, dude, I want to have a life. I want to play music. I want to have fun. I want to do whatever. And so those are the choices that I make in that. And I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like us as creatives that are constantly in our brain thinking about the stories are like, totally. Yeah. And I think for me, one of the things I've struggled with too, is this idea of what's right and what's wrong, right? This black and white thinking. And in one little word, in my one little word workshop, I've talked about this before of wanting to live more in the gray. Um, and I think part of that is a family, you know, coming from a fam- the family dynamic that I came from was very black and white this is right. This is wrong. You know, this is what you do. This is what you don't do. Even if I do that, this is what you don't do. You know, those kinds of things. And so it's taken me a long time to reprogram myself really to be like, oh, there are actually lots of grays or, oh, that's one way of doing it. It doesn't have to be done that way. And I think we live in a world that's significantly different than, you know, when I was growing up in the early eighties too, of, um, the options. There's so many more options mm-hmm. and people are doing things in so many more ways to make a living or to, you know, have a lifestyle that is completely different from what our parents uh, did or the expectations that they had as well too. So I always think Absolutely. that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And social media plays a big role in that too. Very much. That's <laughs> like, well, yeah. We can talk about, did you want to hey, start I talking about it? I grew up in the just... late eighties. Yeah. Well, Enjoy that, Kristen. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was still growing up in the late 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I graduated from okay, high school that's, in that's true. So I was still, that was growing up time. I was born in the 70s, though. So yeah. No, no, no. Do you watch Stranger Things? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't you just love it for that I, reason, too? Uh, there like, are so many reasons why I love yeah. it. Oh, there are so many reasons to love it. Super Stranger fan. Things. Yeah, yeah. I love it, too. Yeah. But okay, so. We'll be talking with Ali more about social media in the after chatter. Yeah, we'll be talking a lot yeah. more about social media and some other cool yeah. things. It's a big theme of our podcast, we feel. Yeah, we it just uh, keeps we talk filtering about social in media so. pretty much all the time. Yeah, it's because so. it's this huge. We talk about it all the time for lots of reasons, too. And <laughs> yeah. we, you know, including kid related, the yeah. major topic in life right now. Totally, because it's it's now the way. I said to Chris, like I was doing social media for the Happy Planner the past few years, and even while that was my job, I never was like, 
this is the way we communicate now. Like I still thought it was this extra thing that I yeah. was doing for this, but it's like the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, yes. Yes. Ugh. It's crazy. So, okay. Yep. So we will talk more about that in the after chatter, which where could they check that out, Kristen? Oh, patreon.com slash crafty ass female support us on Patreon because we're awesome and you get to see cool video, audio and more with Allie Edwards and more of our interviewees coming up over the month of May. <laughs> yeah, but before we go over to there, we're doing a lightning round. So Kristen has this currently card that people associate her with and we thought it'd be a fun idea to go through it at the end of each podcast. So Allie, are you ready? I'm so ready. I'm so excited. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Allie. So what are you currently watching? We just finished Wild Wild Country. Have you guys watched that one about the Rajneesh? Oh, no. I write about it, though. Yeah. So it all happened in Oregon. It happened in the, I don't even remember what time period it was. But it's, so for me, it's even more fun because it's in Oregon, which is Yeah. It's like a <laughs> cult. you like it? Like, oh, was my it? God. It was amazing. Yes. Okay. I'm going to watch it. Yes. Then. It's high. It's high quality. Yeah. Wild Wild Country. It's crazy. Oh, my God. Yes. Okay. I can't wait. Fun. What are you currently reading? So I just finished that book called Educated. And I think that I am moving on to another memoir that's called The Girl Who Smiled Beads, which is about a woman who fled Rwanda. That's what I think I'm doing next. What are you currently listening to? Podcasts. Uh, the Daily is the thing that, <clears throat> excuse me, that I listen to every day. So The Daily is my go-to morning listening. Nice. What are you currently making? Right this moment. So earlier today, what I was working on was doing designs for our seasons story kit, which will be in, I think it's October. And I'm also making layouts for our type, um, which is our next theme. The next theme that's coming out for story kits like in a few days. So by the time you guys listen to this, it will be over. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Those are so much fun. Yeah. What are you currently feeling? I, you know, I left this one blank on my actual <laughs> notes here because I was like, how am I actually feeling? And I, and I think I'm just feeling really good. I'm feeling good, which is a nice thing to be able to say. Mm -hmm. so, it is. Yeah. It is. It is. Tomorrow, check back. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> what are you currently planning? I'm planning on joining a book club. So I'm oh, so, excited. so excited. Yes. Well, I'm not going to plan it. I'm just going to join another yeah. one. Um, but it's uh, when I posted one of my books today, one of my friends, uh, local friends chimed in that she had just finished that book. And then I was like, oh, you know, here, see, whenever I see somebody that's reading, I'm just like, ah, I love you. Though. I want to talk to you more. And uh, so I sent a message and I was like, oh, we should start a book club. And she's like, oh, I just did. You know, do you want to join our? And I was like, yes. So. <laughs> that Good. yes i'm also talking another planning thing is katie and i talking about taking a fun a trip for fun somewhere so potentially going to new york and taking simon is one of the things we've been talking about he really wants to go to new york and go to some shows and see all this stuff so oh okay time out yes what are your favorite things to do in new york well i've only been there one time so yeah so my favorite things are nothing because <laughs> i mean we did go aaron and i went this is like act, like a month after we met we went to new york because this is very like we're going um it was a random thing but it was worth it and uh we saw one show but i definitely would love to go and see more shows like katie's a major super fan of musicals and stuff like that so i think we would do that but just see total tourist trip like Okay. Yeah. Good. No. Okay. There's so many tourist yes. things you have to do. Yeah. Amanda's so, Amanda Liberty, lives in New York you know, City. All of those. Yeah. 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 I'm going home at the end of the month. It's just. Oh. Yeah. I no. So if you want to give me a list of things that are beyond like the the very you know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. All right. We'll good. make that happen. Okay. 
And lastly, what are you currently loving? I think what I'm currently loving is a slower pace. Like I've been working on, this is something I've been working on for a few years too, of really kind of dialing into what are the most important things and making the space, my word this year is space, but making the space for that and realizing again, this is part of the conversation that we were having before, is that I don't have to do everything, right? That it can be slower, that I can have time to read and I can have time to uh, do whatever it is that that I want to do by making conscious choices. So I'm liking the slower pace. Yeah, I love that. Garden. Yes. I love the wellness page. Yeah. I love your wellness journey. That's that's actually making me really happy too. Yeah. 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 I feel it in that way. Oh, it's so, it's so dumb. It's so dumbly important. Like it's like, this is another one of those things where I'm like, what, what, why, why was that not, you know, and I don't understand. I don't understand it for me. Well, and I like to blame it on the swimming for me, actually. Like I blame it on the fact that I did so much and like got so burned out. But that didn't mean to mean that I stopped doing any exercise for 20 right. years, like literally for 20 years. You know, it just is. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. That's a yeah. I totally get oh. it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> yeah. We'll, talk about, we'll talk about more things of self-care and why we forget about taking care of ourselves in the after chatter. But um, you guys can catch us again next week, Monday, 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm always asleep, but the uh, computer puts the show up for us. <laughs> um, anything else, Amanda? No, this was fantastic. And if you've never joined our Patreon or headed over there before, this is a great reason to. <laughs> like, little extra special features. That's what we call our Patreon, the special features page. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Um, thank you so much to Allie Edwards for being here for National Scrapbook Day. Hey, I love chatting with you guys. Could we have had a better guest? Nuh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's keeping it real. Yeah, let's let's more, more talk about that. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Good. That's been absolutely real. And we will catch yeah. you guys next week. All right. Bye-bye, guys. Bye.